if you saw someone in your house, and they weren't supposed to be there, you would know how to deal with it. But what if you only saw part of them? And they would travel to Puerto Rico to cover one of my favorite stories that I love covering on this podcast. What happens when a local cattle rancher gets tired of finding his livestock mutilated? He forms a posse and goes to war today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I mean it. I mean it every time I say it. I really do hope you guys are having a great day. And I hope you guys have some fun plans for the weekend coming up. Just a quick reminder, I will be at the McMinnville UFO Festival, May 13th and 14th. Actually, let me let me rephrase that. <laughs> People might be making plans to come see me. I will be there walking around. But on May 14th, I'm going to have a vendor table. And I'm going to have haunted items that we've talked about on this show or you've seen in my TikTok videos laid out on this table. So come and meet me. I'm not there as like an official conference guy. I'm not giving a lecture or anything. I'll lecture you. I'm like, you need to tie your shoes. Come out. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have our vendor table set up. We're going to be giving away bookmarks. And we're going to have a menagerie of haunted items. We're going to have Veronica the Haunted Doll is going to be there. You're like, Jason, wait a second, back up. You know, Not only do you plan on throwing a bunch of cursed items in the back of a car and driving for a couple hours, which is already super dangerous in and of itself, but then you want me to touch them. You want me to travel from where I'm at to touch items that you believe are cursed. And just for random people to walk up and touch these items, as they're walking away, they start getting convulsion fits. Ah! And I was like, see, proof. And everyone doesn't want to touch them anymore. I'm throwing them at people at this point. Yeah, come on down. Come on down to Jason's Haunted Emporium. May 14th, I will be in McMinnville, Oregon, at the UFO Festival. You don't have to come out for me. Yeah, technically, you don't have to come out at all. But come out for the UFO Festival. Come out for the UFOs. Stay for stay for the curses that will follow you home. As you're driving away, you see, like, a haunted doll in your rearview mirror. So, yeah, that sounds like a great time, right? Someone else who's always a great time coming into Dead Rabbit Command, the last of our Thanksgiving livestream Patreons, but never last in life. Longtime supporter of the show, very active member of the Patreon Discord and of the and the Patreon live episode that everyone gets. They just get to hear it live the time it's recorded. Everyone give a round of applause to Rudy Jazz. Woo! Rudy coming on in, blushing, blushing as they walk into Dead Rabbit Command. Rudy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or the live stream or anything like that, I totally understand. I 100% get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Help get the word out about Dead Rabbit Radio. That is another way you can support the show. Rudy, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the oars for the Dead Rabbit Rowboat. I don't think we've used this one recently. Let's get in it, and we are going to row, row, row our way down a river to... A suburban neighborhood. <laughs> the suburban neighborhood that has a river through it. Splash. Oh, uh, splash. Oh, uh, we're rowing our way all the way down there as Rudy is enjoying the view. We row ourselves to this unnamed neighborhood. This was posted online by someone going by the handle Veggie Panda. We're going to go ahead and call you 
Monica? That's your real name, just guess. Monica one day wakes up. It's seven in the morning. Ooh, yawning. Now she doesn't say that she normally sleeps with her bedroom door open. I don't. I think it's a, I think it's super creepy. Honestly, I have all doors shut when I'm sleeping. Even your door shut. I can't sleep if you have a door open. I shut all my doors. But uh, Monica, she doesn't say whether or not she normally sleeps with her door open. But when she wakes up, her bedroom door is open. And looking out the bedroom door, she sees from the wrist up a human hand. And the hand is just waving at her. She lives alone. I don't know if I need to include that detail. You're like, oh, it's maybe maybe it's her boyfriend waving good morning. That's what I always do. I go, hello. I just wave when I'm waving to my girlfriend. I just let them see my wrist and nothing else. I'm such a tease. Her brain can't process really what's going on at this point. She lays back down. And then she remembers she lives alone. She jumps up. She grabs her mace, which apparently she keeps in her bedroom. And if not, everyone should everyone should sleep with their doors shut. And everyone should sleep armed. She grabs her mace. She begins checking the house. She goes room to room looking for the person who was waving at her. She doesn't find anybody. And so she posts this online. And she po- it was titled, I saw a hand wave at me this morning. So this just happened a couple weeks ago. But that's not where her story ends. I mean, technically I did end it. And you thought I was tricking you. I've seen if you were paying attention. I know you're washing your dishes right now. That's not where the story ends. She goes, I got to be honest with you. I've been under a lot of stress. My best friend died recently. I'm dealing with that and processing all of that stuff. But, so it could be stress, right? But, this also isn't the first time. I've just seen a hand. She said when she was a child, she was sitting in her daybed. So how old would you be when you're in a daybed? I don't know, like nine months, three years old, something like somewhere in between a fetus and a conscious human child who wears clothes and can talk somewhere in that time period, right? She's sitting in her daybed and... Apparently, I guess it's like a crib, maybe, because it has bars on it. (laughs) Please just look up the definition of daybed before you make it a main factor of your story. She says she's sitting in the daybed, and she sees a human hand reach up and wrap its fingers around one of the bars. She begins screaming, because she is terrified by this. She knows that there shouldn't be anyone in here. But here is this hand holding on to the bar of her daybed. She screams. Her mom comes in. There's nothing there. Trick of the light. Imagination. Who knows? But her mom is able to calm her down. Honey, just go sleep in your daybed. You either start school tomorrow. Or I'm going to breastfeed you. It's somewhere in between there. How old you are. The hand closed around the bar. And it disappeared, and the mom leaves, and then little Monica's sitting in her daybed, and right when the mom leaves, the hand returns. It slides up the side of the daybed and grabs onto one of the bars. 
She goes, all I could do was hide under my blanket. And I stayed there. To this day. <laughs> to this day, she's posting this online from her daybed. She's totally grown out of it as an adult. We've done a couple episodes recently about phantom hands. This is a super recent phenomenon that I've come across. Like, these stories are popping up pretty regularly now. And like I said on yesterday's episode, one story is an anomaly, two stories is a coincidence, but three stories is a phenomenon. At this point, this is a phenomenon. We are seeing an increase of phantom hand stories. Now, does that mean because people are comfortable telling them? Or does it mean that the phenomenon is increasing for whatever reason? Who knows? It's so creepy to already think of ghosts in your house where you're supposed to be comfortable where you're supposed to be able to get naked and take a shower and take a dump and eat hopefully different times hopefully you don't do that all at once but the idea that there is some sort of phantom in your house a ghost in your house with you that's already creepy but if you know who the ghost is if you like i say my my apartment is haunted my closet is haunted but i've made contact with the spirit here I'm not too stressed about it. I don't really think he hangs out here much. But if I just saw a hand, that's way creepier. That I honestly, and I know people disagree with me on this, but I would much rather see a full-bodied apparition of a ghost than it's just its hand. That It just seems creepier to me. Okay, there's a little bit of coffee out to that if it is a full-bodied, blood-drenched, Bloody Mary phantom in my mirror or a hand waving at me. Now I'm uh, now I'm a little I don't know which I don't know which one I'd pick on that, but it's just so creepy. And the more I was thinking about it when I was telling the story, I'm thinking, was it a male hand? Like is that just implied that because I every time I tell the story, I'm at one of the stories, I'll put all the stories in the show notes, but one of them they specified that it was a Caucasian male hand because she lived in a building with a bunch of people, a bunch of people from Asia. So she specified it was a Caucasian hand. She specified the ethnicity, but I'm really curious. Like, did it have hairy knuckles? How well manicured were the fingernails? These are intra. Is it the same hand in all these different locations? Or is this a phenomenon that we're starting to see an increase in? And why? Why are we only seeing parts of a ghost? What's interesting is that if this phenomenon was from the 1800s, we saw stuff like this all the time in ghost studies. You could make the theory that it takes a long time for a ghost to appear, and maybe the first thing they can make visible is their hand. That's hogwash. We know that's hogwash because we've had ghost stories now since really the dawn of time, but documented ghost stories since the 1800s, like well-documented ghost stories, late 1800s, and none of them were about hands, just hands. We really have, we've had the three stories now that I've talked about hands recently on the show. And then there was a, uh, there was a old urban legend about a pair of hairy hands in Britain that as you were driving down the road, the hairy hands would kind of take control of your car and just started making you swerve around. I'll put that episode in the show notes. That was like episode 70 or something. That was a long time ago. But they think that that actually was an urban legend. The road has a weird curve to it that does cause a lot of car accidents and it does make you lose control of the car. I, I mean, there are some, <laughs> no one's seen hairy hands of the Daytona 500. There's some curves there too, but yeah, it's a weird phenomenon. That would be the oldest I would know of was the hairy hands. And even that, again, they're, they're thinking that's 
the vision is one thing, but they understand why the car accidents are more in that area. But why are these hands just appearing to people? Just the hand. I don't know. There's something more sinister about that because I guess it's hiding its true nature. At least the ghost that appears briefly when you shut your light off to go to bed and it's standing at the edge of your bed all... Uh, at least, I mean, as terrifying as that is, it's letting its full form be known. Even a shadow person, you can see the outline, right? Who knows what this thing is? Is it a human hand, but it's connected to some sort of unspeakable, unknowable cosmic horror and it just has one human hand to kind of coax us over i mean the hand was waving at her right one of the hands in the other story was kind of beckoning to a person with its finger like come here so these hands do seem to have phenomenon again it could totally be fake right these could be building up to some stupid arg i'd be super disappointed but as of right now these do seem like a bunch of unconnected incidents and are we seeing an increase in the phenomenon or do we just happen to stumble across these stories i'm not typing in phantom hand in when i'm searching i just read ghost stuff all the time read paranormal stuff all the time and here we go another story about a young woman who's seen it twice in her life just a hand very very terrifying rudy jazz let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world Famous carpenter copter we're leaving behind this house. <laughs> the hand is sneaking up on the girl while she's sleeping. Ah, I'm sure everything will be fine. We're leaving behind this house. We are headed all the way out to Puerto Rico. <laughs> Specifically, we're headed to northern Puerto Rico. And the year is 1980. It's late at night. And there's a local ranch owned by a man. We're going to call him Peter. Peter comes out of his house and he looks at all of his cows and probably some chickens too, maybe a goat. And he looks out and he's like, good night, farm. <laughs> he's the village idiot. Good night, farms. Good night, everybody. Good night, well. Good night, moon. And he walks into his house knowing that everything is right with his life. He's lived a good life. He has a good piece of land. He has all this cattle. Next morning, he wakes up. Oh, man, I can't wait to say hi to everyone. They'll be so surprised. And he walks outside. And he, hi, cows. Hi, goat. He doesn't really like the goat that much. He's all perturbed. He's like, fine. I'll say hi to you, too. Hi, chickens. But then as he's going, as he's going about his real job, right? He's not an idiot. He's not actually doing this. He's walking around. He's doing his job. He sees all this cattle, but one of his cows is missing. A while later. Hey, Peter, Peter, guess what, dude? I found one of your cows, dude. He's dead. Peter's like, oh, what, dude, man? Ah. And so he goes out and he gets shown his cow and it's classic cattle mutilation. Holes bored into it, missing blood, all of that stuff that we see with cattle mutilation. 1980, cattle mutilations were just really starting to take off. It was the 80s, and it was really one reporter, Linda Moulton Howe. Um, she was an investigative journalist for like a legitimate news... I forgot what it was. It was like ABC or CBS or something like that, like a legitimate news site. And she got assigned the story to start looking into cattle mutilations and she's like wow this is an actual phenomenon this isn't a puff piece and that she's been doing it since like she is the driving force behind cattle mutilations i don't think it would be as big as a story 
as it is. Definitely wouldn't have been as well documented if it wasn't for her. But anyway, so we're just getting this into the consciousness, but you're looking at this cat. It doesn't matter. Like, you're a cattle rancher. You're not really thinking about, hmm, I wonder if aliens did this. This is super expensive. Like, when we think of cows getting mutilated, we're like, oh, that sucks for the cow. But then you just have a baby cow, and then he'll grow up. It would be the equivalent of if you walked to your workplace and one-eighth of your workplace was <laughs> covered in blood and cut open and organs were missing. I think cattle mutil- I think the economic <laughs> I think the economic impact of cattle mutilation gets lost a lot. You raise this cow to be able to milk it and then eventually chop it up and sell the meat or eat it yourself, I don't know. But now you can't do that and this keeps happening too. Peter, cows keep getting taken from his ranch. He's probably upset it's not happening to other ranches. He's like, come on, just go down the street and kill Stephen's cows for once. His cows keep getting taken, and they're found later, standard cattle mutilation, chopped up style. So Peter gets a couple of his buddies together, and they're like, we're just going to keep watch for a couple nights. We're going to sit out here with our rifles. We're going to see who comes to kill one of my cattle, and we're going to light them up. And this goes on for a couple nights, apparently. And one night, when they are waiting to see whatever horrible human being would kill a cow, just rip its guts out, they see movement along this nearby ravine. See something moving in the darkness. And what they see absolutely shocks them. Out of that ravine crawls what could only be described as gray aliens. Large head, gray skin, kind of short bodies. And there's four of them. They crawl out of the ravine and they are making a beeline right towards Peter's cattle. He says he watched there. They're just shocked by what's going on. This is not what they expected, right? They, they expected Stephen down the road. His rival cattle ranch was sending some bandits over or something. They're, they're seeing this alien life walking towards the cattle. They're like, what in the world is going on? The aliens go into the cattle pen and they find a one of the young calves there. And suddenly it begins to float a couple inches off the ground. It begins to moo as the aliens are hovering it. It doesn't say what the other cows are doing. I'm sure they gave this all a wide berth. I don't think any of them were trying to interfere with what was going on. These aliens were hovering out this little calf. They're walking next to it as its little hooves aren't touching the ground. And they begin walking back towards the ravine. But they are. this happens very, very quickly. That is what they are that is what they are thinking they're going to do. Like so many times before. They're gonna take this cow somewhere, they're gonna experiment on it, and they're gonna drop it off in some random location. But as they are leaving the cattle pen, and as this little cow is floating next to him, Peter finally realizes, wait a second, this is super weird and all, but I am here to stop this, right? <laughs> like I need to shake this shock out of my head and do something about this. And he's there with his two buddies. And Peter has that moment of clarity. He raises his rifle, takes aim, and fires. <laughs> the two men with him begin to unload on these aliens as well. You have three men 
shooting from a concealed position at this group of four aliens and a hovering cow. And through this flurry of bullets, one of these gray aliens gets shot. He falls to the ground and begins shrieking in pain. The calf stops hovering. He's actually now on the ground. I'm assuming he's running for cover. He's like, ah, I gotta get out of here. I'm gonna milk my pants. He's running away. The three gray aliens are looking at their fallen comrade, and no alien left behind is apparently their motto because they grab him and they begin to drag him towards the nearby ravine. But humans don't quit. Humans don't quit. They continue to fire on this group. <laughs> They're trying to carry away their wounded buddy. But Peter and these two dudes aren't having any of it. They continue to shoot at the aliens to the point that they have to leave behind their fallen brethren. They have traveled the, co <laughs> they've traveled the cosmos together. They've seen sights that we can't even comprehend. But this brotherhood is ending tonight. These three aliens have to leave behind their buddy and they begin to run off. They can't make it to the ravine in time. They turn and they head off to a nearby wooded area, disappear into the trees, leaving behind their fallen comrade. He's bleeding out alien blood that soaks into the soil of Earth. And he begins to crawl across the ground. His shrieks of pain, his prayers to some alien god no human will ever meet, go unanswered. As Peter and his two friends begin to approach this alien, the alien sees these humans getting closer and closer, and he realizes he's not going to be able to crawl away from this. With his last ounce of strength, he kind of gets to one knee. He's trying to get up to run. If he can make it to the forest, he can... <laughs> Peter puts a bullet right through this alien's neck. The alien, though... That's so insane. The alien, though, is still alive. But it's just laying there, bleeding out, squirming. Looking down at this creature, maybe in a fit of wrath, or maybe in an act of mercy. One of Peter's friends lifts up his rifle and smashes the butt of it right into the alien's head killing it instantly. And finally, silence has returned to the ranch. No more shrieking. No more gunfire. Just silence. Peter took the body. Peter took the body and had it preserved in formaldehyde, an alcohol formaldehyde mixture. And photos of this creature have begun to circulate 
around. Well, when I say begun, actually, we're going back to the year 1980 for a while. This was a very famous alien story, very famous UFO story. You can actually see a photo of it. There's no let me let let me finish the the story proper, but. Um, what happened was he, he, he preserved the body in formaldehyde, began showing it around. Photos started to be taken of this creature. And eventually, Puerto Rican authorities and then U.S. authorities began to visit him, trying to get the body. And he hid it. He never revealed where the alien is to this day. That is how the story ends. The government wanting to find this and him not revealing it to anyone else. It's a super interesting story. We do see a photo of it appearing in a magazine called Evidencia OVNI, number 11. I'll put all of that in the show notes. You can look at the picture. This story I got from thinkaboutitdocs.com. Again, one of my favorite resources for this show and just for recreational reading when it comes to UFO stuff. They got it from a story written by Jorge Martin. We've covered stuff that he's done before. He is a big writer, if not the writer, for Evidencia OVNI, which is a Spanish-language UFO magazine. I'm not for sure if they're still in print today, but they still have left a huge presence in the UFO community. What's interesting about the story is that if you look at Evidencia OVNI number 11, you'll see a picture of this alien. We have no scope of size of how big this alien is. Now, in the story I just told you, we have these gray aliens that are standard gray aliens crawling out of the ravine. What is interesting is around the same time, December of 1980, there's a story about a man walking through a forested area near Tatas de Calleja, or Calle, in Puerto Rico, and he came across several 14-inch tall humanoids, and they tried to grab his legs. He said they had large heads and webbed hands. He grabbed a branch and knocked one of these in the head, and it smashed its head open, killing it instantly. The rest of the tiny guys moved into the woods. and He then took the tiny body to a local chemist and had it put into formaldehyde. Pictures of this circulated, and the item is being hid to this day. It's interesting, when we look at thinkaboutitdocs.com, we have this piece. It has both of these stories, and it says, Source tends to think that this is the version that is the most accurate, but does not rule out two separate incidents. So thinkaboutitdocs.com does have both of these stories as well, and says, listen, it could be two separate stories, but if the photo is real, because see, we have the photo, We have the photo of the little alien. It does look incredibly small. You figure if a full-sized gray alien, they tend to be three to four feet tall. Sometimes they're taller, but usually they're about three to four feet tall. The photo, it looks much, much smaller than that. So they say the photo itself could be related to this story. But you also have to think that disinformation, right? If you have a legitimate story... You could easily come up with a fake story and then everything gets blurred trying to cover up the actual story. Now, there's possibly two versions of the story. There's possibly two events. We've been to Puerto Rico a lot on this show. It does seem to be very active with UFO activity, which is interesting. Not a lot of cryptids, not a lot of ghosts, but a ton of UFOs. And the fact that Puerto Rico is, in essence, the 51st U.S. state, has a large U.S. presence, but is more isolated... 
would it makes it interesting that any of this alien craft could be rival governments or aliens that want to test things against America without being fully cited by the full scope of the American military, but still have a presence in American territory. So it's interesting that we have a ton of UFO stories coming out of Puerto Rico and alien stories specifically, not just sightings, but aliens. But I love this story, obviously, because I love stories where aliens get blasted. The war between humans and aliens. You know, it might just be it might just be a pipe dream. Oh, someday it may happen. I'm like looking at my window as cartoon birds are flying around and there's an alien dropship sending down death squads. Um, you know, obviously, on the one hand, I hope it never happens because it would result in like probably our probably our destruction and the enslavement of humanity for a couple hundred years until we fought back and used their own weapons against them. But, you know, the idea of alien, any an alien is a superior force. And I'm a guy who roots for the underdog. And I'm a human. right? So I'm always going to be on the side of humans. But the idea of aliens coming down and messing with our stuff, messing with our money, never get between a man and his money. And that's what these aliens were doing. They're taking this guy's cattle. They're chopping them up. They're dissecting them, taking out organs, draining that sweet, sweet blood. And the guy's losing money. He's losing money. So, so that's that's the motto, right? If you cost a man a dollar, you get shot in the neck. I love this story, right? It has everything I love. It has aliens. It has guns. It has guns shooting aliens. What more could you ask for? Then you also got to think about it this way, too. I mean, I don't want to think about it this way, but I've got to be realistic. We know that it's tit for tat. You come at me, I come at you. You bring a knife, I bring a gun, that type of thing. You kill one of my people, I'm going to kill ten of yours. You go after me. I'm going to find, like, your fourth cousin. I'm going to take him out. I, that was an accident, actually. I just ran over some random guy, and it turned it turned out to be your fourth cousin. That was an accident. But you know what I mean? Like, you have this tit for tat. And what if, what if that is going on? What if for every time we do shoot an alien, because it's not super common, but we do come across them from time to time. What if those three gray aliens in the woods were like, oh, we're... We're gonna pro. We're gonna do so much more probing this weekend. You thought us taking your cattle were bad. Just wait until we take you. You know what I mean? Like vengeance. Is that a human emotion? Or did we start the alien abduction craze? Like, is it because we were trying to shoot down their aircraft? They're just flying around, right? Kenneth Arnold, the old timey UFO stories, just. UFOs flying around, and then we were trying to shoot them down. We were chasing them. They weren't doing anything weird. Sure, they were stealing this man's cattle, but aliens getting shot, aliens getting shot at, whatever, being pursued, being vilified, maybe that's the reason why they started abducting people. It wasn't their first goal, but that became the mission. And it's not because of any sort of scientific principle. It's out of cold, calculating revenge. To them, they're like, "What? What? What's a cow? Like, we don't even know what money is. This, this is just a big thing that we can operate on, and we can see how Earth biology works. And now you're shooting us in the neck when we're already down. We're already like crawling, and that didn't even kill me, bro. So what if when humans get abducted, it is not for a scientific reason or for an ambassadorship. It is for revenge. Now, we do have a ton of stories 
about people who are abducted and aren't brutally tortured because they come back to Earth and they tell us. But remember, the key part of that is they come back. If you were one of these three gray aliens and you saw that happen to one of your countrymen, you saw that happen to your brother, you saw him get shot. Dude, they were just swinging by Wendy's. They were just swinging by and picking up a piece of food. They got shot at. One of them got shot. And while they were trying to save him, the rescuers were shot at. Right there, that's a war crime. That would be a war crime in a combat situation, I think. Don't, don't quote me on that, war lawyers. But they're trying to rescue him. They're, now the rescuers are being shot at. While he is dragging his bloody body through the soil and then trying to get up and run, out of fear, he gets shot in the neck. Still not dead. And then finally you watch the person you've spent countless decades with flying through the cosmos. You watch his brains get splattered across Puerto Rican mud. You tell me you wouldn't take revenge. You tell me that you wouldn't find some sort of sadistic delight in abducting frightened school children. Taking them aboard your UFO. And then you're reading the newspaper. You're laughing as you're reading all the newspaper articles about the moms. Like, please just send my children home. The alien's like, ha, 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 ha. Maybe not that sadistic. It's UFO. He has newspaper clippings of all the kids he's kidnapped. They're like, uh, we really need to tell B-Borp. He needs to calm it down a little bit. It's getting a little spooky, right? But you would take revenge. And if you're going to take revenge against Peter, you would take revenge against somebody. On Earth, there's a rule. Kill or be killed. We've evolved past that. Well, we we like to think we have, but in nature, it's kill or be killed. Is that true for the entire universe? If we treated our alien visitors not as invaders into our airspace or stealers of our livestock, would we be on better terms with them? If we didn't just get out of a world war and move into a cold war and begin seeing these unidentified flying objects in the sky in a state of total global paranoia, if we saw them at a different time in our development, would we have treated them differently? Because the way history has played out is we've chased them out of the air. We have tried to shoot them down. We've shot down a few UFOs. We find crashes and take the survivors where they die because they have no alien medical help, take apart their fallen vehicles trying to weaponize it, and then if you ever come down where three humans meet four greys, we open fire on them and then brutally murder one of them. Execution? They executed this guy. On Earth, the rule is kill or be killed. We don't know if that is the standard rule throughout the universe. But we may have made that the rule throughout the universe. Earth may have fired the first shot of an intergalactic war. We may not see the ships now. We may not see the invading armies now. But maybe they're on their way. 
maybe it won't be a war for resources or a war for slave labor or a war to take our people and turn them into alien hybrids. It may be a war of petty revenge. And if the only reason for starting the war is to completely destroy your enemy, that war does not end until your enemy is completely destroyed. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.